How do you ensure you draw out the revelations from the risks you've taken or even found yourself in? Radhika Gai, founder and CEO of Kind Life, is here to share her experience of doing just this as a two-time founder. Welcome to the Leap Dot Club podcast, fireside chats with industry leaders across domains. The art of pushing boundaries, fostering an entrepreneurial spirit, making audacious decisions in the face of uncertainty and more. Tune in for a candid conversation on turning failures into stepping stones to greater heights. All right. Uh, welcome to Thriving on the Edge, the power of risks and revelations with Radhika Gai. I am Ashna, your host for today. And before we dive in, let me give you a quick introduction to our speaker, Radhika Gai. Radhika is the founder and CEO of Kind Life, a new age beauty and wellness ecosystem enabling e-commerce, community and brands. Previously, Radhika uh, founded Shuklus in 2011, which achieved unicorn status in 2016. Now, having always combined her entrepreneurial spirit with a passion for solving problems, um, you know Radhika received a lot of awards, uh, most notably um, she received the prestigious First Lady Award by the Ministry of Women and Child Welfare, given to her by none other than the President of India for being the first woman to create a unicorn that is a company with a billion-dollar evaluation. Valuation. Um, Radhika, thank you so much for being with us today and allowing us to pick your, pick your brain of, for the incredible journey that you've had and choosing to spend the next hour with us Leap Door Club members. Absolutely. I hope you can all hear me loud and clear. But thanks for having me here today, Arsna. And so nice to see so many women. And uh, I think Arsna's an inspiration for me, as I hope it lands with being for all of you. Uh, but Arsna, I feel a little bit shortchanged. I, I don't think this conversation should happen over a cup of coffee. It needs a little bit of maybe a glass of wine or, or maybe <laughs> champagne, just celebrating so many women being together. That has been a nice one. Yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, for those of you who have access to a nice glass of wine, please feel free to pour this. Um, we want to keep today very kind of conversational and just um, get to know each other. So members, please keep your questions coming in the chat box. And um, in the meantime, I'll just Radhika's brains with the questions you all have submitted. Cool. Um, Radhika, this is a Leap Dot Club tradition to do a um quick rapid fire just so that we can get you get to know you a little better and you can also ease into the session um yeah. you know the drill i will say a couple of words and in a word or two you have to just share the first thought that comes to your mind are you ready okay yeah let's go for it okay uh the one advice you'd give to your younger self you're doing just fine don't double guess yourself all right something i think everyone needs to hear um it's a tough one. Shop clothes or kind life? Oh my God. Two kids, two babies. Both <laughs> of them always. Um, one quote you live by. Just show up. Just show up. Um, your style of leadership. Um, I, I cannot answer this question in like a short phrase at all, but I will say that uh, I think uh, uh, there are different uh, leadership is like a toolbox you know you need a lot of different tools in it and uh, that's really how I run it as well happy to talk about it in detail later 
okay um a book that you are currently reading i am reading the bhagavad gita right now okay that's a good one uh the yeah. biggest risk you have ever taken oh my god i've lived my life in public and and i feel that's been a bigger risk that i've taken than anything i have done but uh, um I, i think being an entrepreneur being a mom just being who i am not being afraid of things or people that is the biggest risk i take every day okay and of course the next big thing in e-commerce fine life fine life kind life you guys <laughs> okay So members you know the drill please keep your questions coming in the chat box feel free to use the reactions feature that zoom has just launched so that we know which questions you want us to absolutely get to um for now i'm going to open this uh, fireside chat with uh, the most common question we've received and i something i've heard you radhika speak about in interviews as well and that is um the fact that you are often referred to as a female entrepreneur you know implying that an entrepreneur is typically a man and a woman entrepreneur needs that clarification so i just want to start this session by kind of you know wanting to hear more about the challenges that you have faced being an entrepreneur like you said that's the biggest risk that you've taken so what are typically the challenges you've faced and more importantly uh, how have you overcome them so pet peeve pet peeve pet peeve ashna every time i'm called a woman entrepreneur female entrepreneur uh, and i feel that that's really short changing the work that we all do because as an entrepreneur you land up taking so many risks you work so incredibly hard and then there is a uh, uh, you know an objective attached to what you do and uh, sometimes that works sometimes that doesn't but regardless i prefer to be known as an entrepreneur versus a female entrepreneur or a woman entrepreneur um i'll tell you a story you know when we became a unicorn we were the fourth unicorn in india and there was a very very big conference that i was a, i was invited to and uh, typically as in conferences the morning had uh, the morning session was one of the key sessions when it had five people on the panel all men and uh, i was invited to speak uh, at the conference but i was in an afternoon session on a breakout session talking about women entrepreneurship um i think i was the largest company there uh, by far uh, even compared to the big boys of technology as they were called at that time and uh, it just didn't seem fair and uh, i think i i remember just putting my foot down and saying that either i'm on that panel or i'm on no panel at all that was me at that time where i felt completely slighted and and hurt that all the efforts that i had put in was not being reflected in the um not being reflected in the kudos that i was getting mm. but 
another event, another session, again, women entrepreneurship. And I had these two young girls come up to me and tell me that they had heard me speak at a few places and they were starting their own company. And they were extremely motivated by what I had gone through and my journey. And uh, they were motivated to become an entrepreneur because of the stories that they had read about me. And suddenly, my perspective changed. You know, I have a very different perspective to things now. So I'm very happy to talk to as many women as possible because I'm uh, proud of the fact that I'm a woman entrepreneur. I, I still think it's a pet peeve and it continues to be one because what I'm building now or what I built in the past, the company itself is not a woman company or a man company. Uh, I don't know why an entrepreneur needs to always have that label. Yeah, absolutely agree with you. I mean, um, we often talk about it within our community where, um, you know, other than the fact that we are building our communities only for women, all other words are absolutely gender neutral. But whenever we end up having to talk about it to the community outside of Leap Door Club, the need for that clarification comes in. And I know that that's something we don't enjoy at all. Um, you know, so I think um, following up that experience, would you say that entrepreneurship is an extremely male-dominated industry still, even now in India? So when I started, uh, when we started Shop Food in 2011, I remember going to a VC Circle conference in 2013. And there were about, I want to say about 30 entrepreneurs who were presenting, talking at different events, looking panels, and there were just two of us. There were me and there was a partner, Raku, from MobiQuick. And we decided, you know, we were chatting, we were so frustrated that there were no other women there, et cetera, et cetera, all of the good stuff. We said, okay, we're going to make a WhatsApp group of women entrepreneurs and pull them together and, and whoever can join can join. And, and let's see how large this group becomes. And this group exists till date. Uh, for the first four to five years, I can tell you that we, there were less than 10 people on that group. And that was a fairly active group. I remember Aguti from Mbibe and a few others were there. At this point, I don't know what the exact number is, but I think it is about 350, 400 people in that group. Conversations vary from fundraising to being an entrepreneur to economics to world peace, everything. Mm -hmm. It is super exciting to see how large it has become, how many women are there in the ecosystem, but then take a step back and still count the number of women-led startups that are there. Less than 3%, less than 4%. So yeah. is it better than it was a decade ago? Definitely a lot better. Um, is it where we should be, considering that we are 50% of the population? Definitely not as well. Yeah, um, not, I mean, getting better, but not there, not where it should be. is Not at all, not at all where it should be. I also think that, uh, you know, this is this is one thing I, I talk to a lot of my mentees about as well, that ambition is not a dirty word. You know, when we talk to women who want to do something, uh, half the time it is that, you know, manage your expectations. Uh, a lot of times I hear pitches from women, the, the uh, you know, I'm sure and compare it to a pitch that you hear from a man, which is like 10x, 20x that. Women give you a more realistic story. 
and mm. they're always and they always temper their ambitions. There's always a disclaimer that goes with, you know, yes, but I think I can do this. Yes, but you know, there is no need for that but. And and I think that's the most that would be one of the biggest things that an organization like Lead Club or any of the others can do is that ambition is not a dirty word, guys. It really is not. And especially for women, it is it is drilled into our heads across generations. There is always this generational trauma of working moms not being good enough and children not turning out fine, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Ambition could be dirty word. Please own your ambition and go out with it. That's a great piece of advice that I think we're going to reiterate in our email that we send out to all our members tomorrow because I think it's just can't be reminded of it often enough. Um, you know, that brings me to uh, kind of a lot of the context that women shared while, uh, you know, submitting questions about the kind of concerns that keep them from taking the plunge of, um, you know, the risk of entrepreneurship because it involves so much uncertainty. Um, in your experience, do you feel like women have, I don't want to say it, but like lesser risk appetite? Just to, you know, is that a, is the number of, you know, the low number of female entrepreneurs an outcome of the risk ap appetite that women have? That's a great question, Asha. I don't think it's a matter of uh, lower risk appetite as much as higher expectations from women in terms of other responsibilities that they have. Both the, uh, both husband and wife, both partners might be working, but there's a lot of expectations that women are still expected to look after the house, look after the children, et cetera, et cetera. So if you look at it in a very balanced way, at the amount of work each one of them has in their, uh, in, on their end of the court, uh, mm. I can tell you women have higher, higher risk appetite because in spite of knowing that they will still be doing a lot of the heavy lifting at home, they go out and start businesses. So definitely a higher risk appetite. Sometimes I, I, I don't have a wife at home as well who's going to help, thing, help with things out. So I, I think one of the things that I've heard a lot of my peers and, and uh, uh, people ahead of me talk about as well is that be careful about who you marry. Your partner is the biggest support that you could always have. And, and I see a lot of young women here. Uh, cannot be truer, guys. Cannot be truer. So um, what I'm getting is your ability to take the risk of jumping into entrepreneurship not once but twice comes a lot from the support that you feel from your partner. Is that it? Comes a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it comes a lot from the support that I see from my family for sure. Mm, got it. That's and, great. and a little bit, a, a little bit of the. Uh, you know, I don't have to be politically correct here, right? There is there there are enough women out there. <laughs> a little bit of the ability to say "fuck you," I am okay being a bitch. Hmm. You know, interestingly, so I I was uh, telling Radhika about how we had our uh, one of our biggest um events last weekend, and um of course use that opportunity to put lots of branding around, but the one wall that was the most popular one that people took a lot of pictures around was the word bossy was scratched out and it said leader instead. Yeah, and it was really, yeah, yeah it was, it was a very uh, nice to see how many women resonated with that. And it kind of spoke to the fact that it's a distinction or it's 
a distinction that's important to a lot of us and yeah. we got on the other end of it very often so yeah, um, yeah. Always. i i think it 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 happens so often right that you're mm -hmm. you're questioned uh, and and i'll tell you a bit uh, you know i have uh, a 19 year old and a 14 year old now uh, when i started my career i started my career in investment banking and i did not have kids then i got asked a question about you know when you have kids how does this work at that time uh, this was New York with one of the largest tax uh, investment banks. That was a question I got asked. Then I started raising money for my first startup when I had a three-year-old and a seven-year-old. I got, got asked the question again at that time, who's going to manage your kids? How are you going to do this? You have very little kids, et cetera, et cetera. Now also I get asked the same damn question. I don't know when it ends. You know, I get asked the same question. Oh, you have a you have a nineteen year old who's studying in the U.S. So do you plan to leave India and move to the U.S. with him? Why would I do that? And and I can give you the flip side because I have a lot of uh, male entrepreneur friends. They never get get asked this question. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. You know, work life balance. The my least favorite phrase at all. Is only made for us. That's it. It's, none of the men ever get asked that. Ever. Such an interesting insight. Yeah. That. Um, I mean, I, I I don't think I've hosted a single session without us having to talk about work life balance. Um, you because do not I think talk that... to me about it at all. No, <laughs> <laughs> Maria. I promise you, no questions around that. Um, cool. I want to switch gears uh, ever so slightly just to focus a little more on you know, the kind of risks that you took in your entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journey. And um, I think a lot of folks have questions about a pivotal moment that, you know, you took a risk or maybe the most defining risk that um, you've taken and maybe you could walk us through what that was like. You know, when you and I chatted earlier, Ashna, we talked about, you know, that this is a question, this is a topic that we'll discuss, you know, risk. And is there a pivotal risk that, that existed? And um, I, I think there is no specific pivotal risk that is there. Hmm. You have, uh, some of us just have, and, and I think all of us on this call, considering that, you know, it is seven in the evening, you're on a Tuesday, and we're sitting here and having this conversation. We all have a certain capability to have uh, to take risks, right? And and uh, uh, it's a it's a little bit like moving a mountain. You know, you you think how are you ever going to move this mountain? You just move it stone by stone, and one fine day you realize that you've moved a mountain, and that's exactly what life is about as well. Chote chote risk lene padte kabi wo bade lagte hain, kabi chote lagte hain. But there doesn't have to be a, I, I don't think there's a specific pivotal risk that I ever took that makes me feel that this is not, uh, uh, that this is what changed my life. Now, mm. I do think that one thing that has worked in my favor is that I've always been aware of things around me. If I see someone else do things, if I see, if I talk to somebody who has a better, fresher idea, and I always believe that I can do it too. Got you know, it. what is stopping me from doing it? And mm -hmm. that has always, always worked in my favor. I think it speaks a lot to your kind of capacity 
or maybe your like risk taking ability and it kind of brings me to the question of what do you do to nurture that you know like you said we all have that capacity it just kind of gets better and better so perhaps maybe you can walk us through what you specifically have done that has increased this appetite for you so you know i'll, I'll go back to the the question that you asked about you know what is your favorite what is the mantra that you live by and and i said just show up you know it's mm -hmm. three very simple words but uh, they are literally words that i live my life by because life is never going to be a straight line it's never going to be that Hmm. You know, it's never going to be going from strength to strength. There's going to be strength to strength. Then there is going to be a failure right there in between. Then you have to get up and be back on it, right? And I just, I think for me, just those three words where whether things are going well, but they're not going well, I have to show up. I have hmm. to be there consistently. I have to be there at all times you know in our in my personal journey as well um i i sorry can i just interrupt for a bit i see some questions do i will you cover some of them yes. or should i just ignore it for now but it kind of gets uh, so i'm not ignoring questions guys i'm assuming ashna will come back to those as well yes yes i will yeah so i i think uh, you know, there are days when the news will rip you apart and, and, you know, you've been a disaster and you're the biggest failure on earth. And then the next day, you're the best thing, best thing that has ever happened since sliced bread. Um, I think both of those times, you don't, you don't celebrate or hide. You just show up and get your work done. Um, I've given so many, um, so many interviews, I'm talking early in my career, where I didn't get the job. So many interviews where I got the job, but I would always go back. If I got the job, I'd go back and show up the next day thinking, how am I going to do well at this job? If I didn't get it, I'd go back and think, you know, what did I not do right? And how can I improve that at the next time? So hmm. the, the for me, the couple of days post a monumental event are even more important than anything else. If I raise a lot of capital, you will see me work the next 10 days rather than take time off and go away. I'm not uh, against taking time off. I think that is the most important thing that you have to do. Uh, mental health, keeping yourself sane is very important. But showing up after monumental events in life, whether they're good or bad, is very, very critical. It's very critical for yourself and it's very, very critical for you as a leader as well. Important mm -hmm. for you to do that. Yeah, that's uh, what a great point because we often talk about you know picking ourselves up after you know we've faced a difficult moment and just faced failure. Uh, but um, something to note is just that applies for the good times as well. You know, like yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a story. My grandfather was in the my, I come from an army lineage. I don't know how many people here are from um, army background, but. Uh, Shout out to all of them. Mm -hmm. And my grandfather was uh, a paratrooper. And uh, uh, I remember him telling us that every time uh, there was a casualty in the regiment, that means somebody parachute dropped and didn't make it or died, the first thing that the commanding officer would do is put the whole regiment back on the plane and do a paratrooper. You can't do that. 
That's such an interesting, yeah. So that is it. Dull ko mat bachne do. It's very easy to kind of, you know, uh, think that, oh my God, this happened to somebody and it can happen to me and get paralyzed by fear. Mm. Fear should not paralyze you. That means you have to show up right away. That's a, yeah, great story to kind of remember that it's easy for fear to take hold. I mean, we often yeah. programmed, we are wired in a way that we identify things go when they're going wrong in our environment and honestly more likely to remember that than when they go right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, but um, I mean, something I know I'll take home um, is just not letting fear take hold. So I guess when something scares you, make sure you give yourself an experience to kind of uh, override that narrative. Yes, absolutely. And and I think go back and think about this paradigm story because it's true. That's what they do in Western. Because if you if you know you hear of your colleague passing away or he didn't make it down, it's very easy to think you know, I'm not going to be able to do it and it's going to be a disaster. And but you don't let those thoughts enter your brain at all. You go ahead and take that risk and take that chance. So, um, Radhika, is that something you do as well? Like, can you tell, you know, given that you're sharing such great stories, perhaps a um, story of when you kind of were faced with a lot of uncertainty and you managed to make yourself still dive into it? Uh, can you tell us a little more about how... Yeah, I'll tell you guys a personal story. I don't, I don't know how many, uh, how many folks here know, but... Um, I got divorced in the middle of uh, uh, building out shop tools and uh, my husband was also my co-founder at that time and our personal divorce stories were played out on the front page, economic times, live events, everywhere and uh, it's very easy for the press to kind of make you look like you know, a bitch or whatever it is, whatever the story is about. And I remember once there was this huge article about, you know, what she did and who she is and what she did and who he is. And uh, this is front news, uh, first cover. And I remember reading it in the morning and talked to my mom and my mom said, you know, just take time to yourself. And I thought that I have 1,400 people in the office. They are waiting for me they've all read even if they've not they don't subscribe to the newspaper somebody has sent it to them if i don't come into the office today it just shows poorly on me and i was emotionally shattered and just so hurt at that time and i went at 9 30 i walked into the office I walked into the office and there were three other people who were walking in who stopped and they walked in with me. And I remember that being so transformational for myself from not wanting to get out of bed to being in the office and conducting a regular business day was it took, I think that took more energy than pretty much anything else in my life has ever taken. But just for me to go up there and for my team to come around and say that they support me, which they didn't have to. It was one of the most, I would say, heart-wrenching moments that I have ever had. 
So sometimes you show up to put your fear away, but you also discover the other strengths that are there. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that story. I think uh, the ethos of keep showing up really makes sense now. I see why you hold that so close to heart. I'm sure, um, you know, showing up for the tough days after that specific day has gotten much easier. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for reminding us um, of, you know, just the power of showing up. Um, do you, so Neha actually had a question very similar to what I was going to ask. Neha, do you want to unmute yourself and perhaps ask that question? Hi, sorry, my phone is charging, so I didn't have my video on. Um, hi, Radhika, really nice to uh, hear everything and hear about your experiences. Um, so for me, I'm actually going through a divorce now. It's a very, very ugly uh, divorce, very ugly breakup. And I, I manage a company, uh, about 40 people. And what I wanted to ask was that, do you suggest being transparent with them when they approach you? Do you um, should I be very strong and keep a sort of, stronger face on or do I show my vulnerability in this situation or something else oh my god that is such a uh, all my my heart goes out to you completely and a big big <laughs> big, big hug um I think both the questions that you asked there are going to be different situations um I think sometimes it's okay to be vulnerable because we're mm -hmm. all human beings I think that yeah. but apart from that also remember that people are looking at you for leadership so yeah so you consistency is going to be very very important i'm happy okay. to kind of take this offline and have a conversation with you please do reach out to me um Asha okay oh i'm very i would love to, to. yeah uh, that's something i've been really struggling yeah. with <laughs> please <laughs> there. put your best foot forward and don't be yeah, definitely. It's not something I would like to hide, but at the same time, I wanted to understand, like, is it safe to, you know, discuss it with them? Or if they ask me, like, sometimes some of them have approached me and they're like, oh, we haven't seen your husband in a while. You know, things like that. I mean, for yeah, me, if they haven't seen your so husband in a while, I think it's okay for you to say that we're going through a divorce for sure. And those are the yeah. kind of people who need to need no more details after that. So, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, I'll definitely take it offline. I don't want to waste. Yeah, please. Else. I'm, I'm generally, very, I'm generally, um, you know, I, I can, I'm very happy to chat for sure. Okay. I, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Good luck. Yeah. Thanks. Sometimes I'm just reminded of the fact that we're such a community of women and it's really the stress on the community and just this was just watching it uh, play out in person because I think just showing up is the biggest risk that uh, Neha is going through today so I will definitely connect both of y'all yeah, um, yeah I think it kind of uh, ties into the idea of resilience that I wanted to talk a little more about and you know just persevere through the challenges and setbacks so we spoke a lot I mean we spoke about the importance of showing up after the good days and uh, you talked to us about talked us through you know how you showed up after a really tough day um, you know if you had to give some advice to folks who are of course going through a variety of different ways challenging experiences um, what would you know like how, what what advice would you give them and how would you just recommend them to cultivate that resilience that most of us need? It just keeps going back to um, the fact that 
समय एक सा नहीं रहता फॉर दोज ऑफ यू डोंट अंडरस्टैंड हेवी इट इज टाइम इज नॉट ऑलवेज द सेम इट चेंजेस एंड दैट्स द वर्स्ट पार्ट अबाउट टाइम एंड दैट्स द बेस्ट पार्ट अबाउट टाइम आई विल टेल यू फ्रॉम कॉन्टेक्स्ट ऑफ द स्टार्टअप वर्ल्ड अ लॉट ऑफ स्टार्टअप्स आई फील वेयर द द the founder gives up or or things don't work out happens just two months before it would have been successful hmm there is a there is actually a statistic out there which i don't have handy but i'll look it up and i'll send it out to you guys it shows that most companies just fold up two months before they would have been fine hmm so it is time it is patience it is being kind to yourself it is being empathetic to yourself i also think that we should have the conversation as no as you for example if neha just because she asked the question mm. um, she would have always just not asked the question but the fact is that if you go out there and put yourself out there 99% of the time the universe responds in the right way hmm So while you have to stick it out, grit is important. Resi- resilience is important. Perseverance is important. I also think that going out there and talking to people who have been through, uh, who have been through this, or not, or can advise you that works at all times. And coming back to the same point of showing up consistency itni important hai power of compounding bolo ya resilience bolo consistency bolo uh, any of these words they ultimately mean the same thing for us when we are building our personality compound mm. power of compounding is something that we use in finance at all times you know i i talk to my mm. kids about it that if you invest a dollar today you will have 10 dollars in 10 years it's the same thing on us right if we invest in our own self growth we will reap the rewards ultimately we have to have that capacity capability and belief that we are important enough to invest in mm-hmm. we're not the bottom of the totem pole where you work for everybody else your children work for everybody else and then invest in yourself mm It's an important mindset shift for what we have been told as women, largely. Yeah, it's a very, very, very important one. We are, you know, if you put a woman in a tough spot where the family is concerned, you'll be surprised how how resilient they are. They're, you know, they will they'll stick it out. They'll do really well. They'll do everything that needs to be done for the family. That's the same approach that you need to have for yourself as well. got it i think in that in that uh, spirit of you know what you spoke about in terms of consistency and showing up um i think nivedita had a question about um when taking a risk nivedita do you want to unmute and ask this question yourself mm. okay i think i'll just ask it on her behalf um so she asked when taking a risk how do you know when you need to let go cut your losses and move on um and i think it's so important when we're talking about consistency and continuing to show up at what point do you need to take a call that this just needs uh doesn't need any more of my energy i don't know if there is a specific point that i can do, but i can oh, but i can definitely tell you that in both personal and professional lives this will happen mm-hmm. uh, personal lives it will happen that if 
I can continue to give to. Uh, infrastructure, like very similar thing. This is a company that I've given a lot to, I've worked very hard. Am I getting enough out of it as well? I think reassessing where you stand and whether you're a giver or a taker and uh, where this is taking you in the next step, in the next phase of your life is very, very important. So while I continue to hold true with the, while I continue to hold true with the fact that you have to be consistent, you have to keep working and you will see results, sometimes it doesn't happen. And sometimes it's okay to put yourself first. Is it taking a toll on your mental health? Is it taking a toll on your financial health? Do you feel that you're being stubborn beyond uh, uh, beyond reason? Cut your losses, move on to the next big thing. Your biggest resource is you. Hmm. And you are really the only person you have to live with all your life. Yeah. I think, so. I, sorry, did I cut you off? No, no, no. I'm just saying do what's good for you. Yeah, I think, you know, it kind of talks about the idea of, you know, pushing yourself into, sometimes there is so much uncertainty in a, a situation. And I know that, you know, I personally went through this recently where I wasn't sure if I should continue on with something that was draining me mentally and physically. But honestly, sticking it through, it just has, I've seen such a personal transformation that I'm glad I did stick it out. It's very close to giving up and yeah. at that point if you were to ask me if it's taking a toll on my mental health yes if it's taking a toll on my financial health yes um and I think that that's where the question's coming from right like how do you know how do you know if actually I don't have any magic words for that there really is no magic words for it the the transformation happened because you changed something hmm. either that's your mindset or the way you're working on it Something changed, right? Mm. If, that, if it was going to continue the way it was continuing, you would not have been there. Yeah. So you took certain actions that were needed to be mm. able to fix what was bothering mm. Sometimes the question comes at a point where you've taken, you've done, you've given it everything you have. Mm. And it continues to not be solvable. Mm. I think at that time, you just kind of walk away. That's the most important thing. For you, is it a gut feeling or do you feel like you know, you just like intellectually break you know, it? I'm a, so I'm I'm a thinker. I'm an overthinker. I don't know how many of you associate with that. You know, yeah. think, 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 think. Is this right? Is this not right? Is this not right? But I also uh, move on very fast. Yeah, I see a lot of, hi guys, we're all the same tribe. <laughs> overthink overthink overanalyze all the time uh but i think that uh, i just once i decide ki nahi hoga, I, I move on rather quickly and uh, it's not always easy you yeah, i'm not those people who's up at 2 a.m thinking about problems that have not happened as yet uh, and uh, uh, but in the morning uh, it's action so mm. Action motivates me. Action uh, keeps me sane. Mm -hmm. um, so is there a very simple answer? The fact when do you know you're done and you need to cut your losses? No. But some action needs to be taken. You can't just keep mulling about it and stay in the same boat. Mm. Got it. So action is the 
most sure-shot way of navigating out of uncertainty? Most navigating out or navigating the situation, navigating into it so that you can resolve it, but it has to be action-oriented. Got it. Um, What role has mentorship specifically played for you in terms of navigating uh, risks and uncertainty? Do you are a big believer in mentorship and do you seek it? I believe that there are people, conversations with whom have changed my life. But I'm also that personality who believes that if somebody else has done it, I can do it as well. Hmm. Whether that is a man or a woman. So I go in, have conversations, uh, learn, and then act on it. Got it. But I also, but I'm also, I've been a very poor mentor to a lot of people as well. Uh, and that primarily is because I feel that my time is valuable. When mm. you come have a conversation with me as a mentor, it needs to be specific and it needs to help you overall. Mm. You know, I've had a few people reach out when they were looking for mentees and they came in and the conversation was about performance marketing. You mm. don't need me for that. I can give you a good marketing director and you can talk to them. Got it. So finding the right mentor for the right situation and then making the most out of it, I feel it is an art, guys. And very, very, very few people are able to ace it. Yeah. What a refreshing take on mentorship because I think that is a standard answer for uh, when folks are stuck. But I think specificity in seeking mentorship is not spoken about enough. Yeah. Uh, it is, I, I think that there are good mentors. There, I think before you become a mentor, mentee or you find a mentor, learn a little bit more about yourself that what kind of mentee are you and what mm. how will it work for you just going in for a cup of coffee with specific questions in terms of just it's not how it works for me when i talk to my mentors i want them to talk about what their life journey has been because the takeaways are something that i will deduct myself Mm. But for others, they might want specific conversations. My 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 most useful mentor-mentee relationship where I was a mentor and I had a mentee was someone who wanted to be an entrepreneur. And she would always do her homework and come. And the conversations were more large. And, and uh, uh, the conversations were more specific as well. Mm. Uh, they were not around my performance marketing you know it is just the right person for the right job so being a good mentee and, and maybe leap club should do an uh, do a session about what does it take to be a good mentee that i think is so much more important than just connecting people with mentors yeah absolutely i think um Given the active role a mentee needs to play in a mentor-mentee yeah. relationship, there's definitely a lot to talk about in that regard. Um, I think I um, definitely want to, you know, touch upon some uh, some of your, you know, most specific parts of your uh, journey uh, before we're going to close this session. So um, Preeti had a very uh, interesting question about, um, 
you know, deciding about investors. Preeti, do you want to unmute and ask this question? Okay, uh, let me just ask this question on Preeti's behalf. Um, so Preeti is asking about how you manage your business while, how did you manage it while you were bootstrapped? And was there a point where you thought you could not continue further without investors? And how did you handle that? So I, I don't think that moving from bootstrap to a point where you cannot continue through investors, uh, the transition happens because you can't fund it yourself and you need, you need other funding. Investor funding should always be taken for leverage. Mm. That means that you can build this company larger than you would ever be able to build on your own. Mm. Got it. There are two or three types of businesses, and each business works really well. One of them is a lifestyle business. It's a business that I will build. Uh, I will build internally. It will be bootstrapped, and at the end of the year, I will have an EBITDA of 20-30%. And then there is another business, which could be VC-funded, which is a leveraged business, where I believe that I have this great idea that I need to invest in the technology or some kind of an IP, and the result that it gives me will be very different. Those are the kind of businesses that are VC funded. So I think contrary to um, a lot of hoo-ha in the market, not all businesses are VC funded. Mm. So moving from bootstrap to VC because you've run out of money is typically a bad idea. You will not be able to raise money with that. Got it. No wonder um, bringing investors on board is often viewed as a risk because perhaps the reasons behind that decision may not be fully worked through. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think bringing investors onto your board is a risk and uh, a responsibility both at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, you take somebody else's money to be able to build a business. So that's something that you have to be um, fiscally responsible with. Uh, also, uh, uh, at the same time, I think it is worth it to remember that the, when an investor invests in you, they have assessed some of the risks. So if you've promised them something, do that. Hmm. That's also the reason why we're seeing a lot of uh, founders return capital wealth down, which is the businesses that they had taken the capital for are no longer viable. You, know, you see that in the gaming industry and, and I don't know how many of you are from the gaming industry, but you're reading about that very often because there was a significant policy change that happened where a lot of capital is being returned, but that capital is primarily being returned because the policy change makes the business unviable. So in mm. that, you return the capital and say this is not a business that's going to be built out anymore. Got it. All right. Um, and I think... Um... Palak, you had a very interesting question about gender-related biases. Uh, do you want to unmute and ask the question? Hi, Radhika. Hi, Palak. Uh, super. I mean, really enjoying this. And I'm actually sitting inside the office and I had to tell my manager I'm going to go inside and sit and, uh, you know, attend this meeting. Um, and I um, I think I, this is something I sort of face, I think, at the workplace. I think a lot of the gender-related biases come into place, especially when it comes to women taking risks. Um, and this is something that I've seen myself Baba, in leadership. Um, so I just wanted to know if you have any tips and suggestions on how can I go about addressing these biases, especially when you're looking at a career growth um, yeah. in, uh, in actually, especially small startup spaces. 
So I think casual sexism, gender-related biases, these all, all of things exist, right? They are there, you see them on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and I can also tell you that my generation just ignores a lot of them. And uh, these are all words that come into my vocabulary over the last 10 years, you know, casual sexism, casual sexism. Now I know what casual sexism is, you know, and, uh, and, and uh, instead of, uh, in, and instead of just taking it lying down quietly, I think calling it out is very, very important. Um, I have been calling it out for the last 25, 30 odd years, and that makes me a very difficult person to work with, and uh, that will be true for you as well. But please call it out. Please, you know, and, and raise the topic. Say this is not right. Mansplaining. Yeah. New word in the English dictionary, but it has God forsaken existed forever, ever, and ever. I think the most important thing is to, when something is happening, you have to say that this is not right. Right. It's what it is. But I think getting getting more and more people aware of it is very important as well. I don't know how small the startup is, whether any of the leadership is women, et cetera, et cetera. But I think this is a conversation that can be had. The smaller the startup, the, the more this conversation can be had internally, where you say that you know this is something that bothers me and this is something that we should all be aware of. Okay. And it is um, half the time what happens is that most people doing this are not aware of the fact as well that they're doing it. You know, it, you it just needs to be flagged off, and people will change uh, direction. Uh, but it takes a lot of guts to kind of flag it off as well, right? Because it's, it's very easy for people to say, oh my God, Palak is objecting to end. What can we say now, Palak? What can we say yeah. that's not going to offend you? It's okay, Palak. Somebody has to be that person. Please be that person. Sure. Yeah. Understandable. Thank yeah. you. That was super helpful. Thank you so much. Good luck. Yeah. I'm, I'm just reminded of a conversation uh, I'd had uh, with, uh, you know, at an event with uh, the Leap Dot Club ladies itself, uh, where I think folks were just lamenting the burden of responsibility to be this person, to be the person yeah. who kind of highlights this. Um, but I guess, I don't know, with, I'm trying not to be cliche, but I guess be the change, right? That we want to see. It is, it is, you know, I, I think I, I'll, I'll also say, you know, I graduated from, um, finished my undergrad in 1998 and, and that's, like a decade plus and, and might be the older person in the room as well. But I, I do feel that we've not done, my generation has not done their bit either. Mm. You know, it's, it's a responsibility that should have been with us, but it's not. When I graduated from college, I truly believed I can do whatever I want. You know, there's nothing is going to hold me back. It's not like my brother's going to have better opportunities than me. I will be successful because I can be whatever I want. But I also saw myself, you know, being held back by smaller things which were not holding my brother back. And and it took a few years. I think by the time I was 30, I felt a lot more jaded with this. Mm. That it's a constant uphill struggle, you know, I remember I took two, I, I had my second one when I was, my second baby when I was 33. And I took a couple of years off because I thought, I just can't do this. This is just so much work. 
fighting for this, fighting for equality, et cetera, et cetera. But that wasn't, taking the back seat was not the person that I am. It just didn't work for me. So I'm back fighting those battles, uh, being the tough one. But we as a generation should have done more, you know. But it is, it's heartbreaking that the questions are the same today that they were in 1997. But kuch to change So yeah. I speak up when I can and, and uh, I think we all should. Yeah, I guess the power of compounding works both ways, right? Like uh, just compounds the more you let go, the more yeah. it kind of builds yeah, up. Absolutely. Kanchan is saying behavior changes too slow. Cannot agree with you, Kanchan. That is why the power of compounding. Keep us posted, Palak, on how it goes. Um I can't believe it's 7.55 and uh, we're almost at the end of this session. So I'm going to, um, you know, I have a, one last question for you. And I think I would be remiss if we didn't close the session on this. And that is, um, the what is the most crucial lesson you've learned? And I, you don't have to stick to one because it's going to be hard to condense it. But uh, just, you know, from your journey with Shop Clues um, and even starting Kind Life, just crucial lesson with regard to risk and adaptability so if you wanted to leave everyone with not just one but a few thoughts what would that be i think you know it is you are the only person that you will live with so constantly work on your own growth and constantly work on your own growth doesn't mean that every day every every year you have to do something uh the fact is that keep, I, I think the the days of where you do your undergrad and you do your postgrad and then you're done is about over. Uh, I think it is constant learning, whether that is in any format, whether that is professional, personal, in any way is very important. And when you learn, your brain learns to work specifically as well. So I think constant learning is very, very, very important and not talked about enough. Second one is your own best friend. And this is so important for all of us ladies. We are very, very good best friends. That means if we talk to others, we give the right advice. I just gave Palak such great advice. But am I following that advice myself? Hmm. You know, am I being kind to myself? Am I being empathetic to myself? Yeah, and I think it takes a while to learn that. It is uh, it is very important to be kind to yourself. Be kind to others also too. You're telling it, but be kind to yourself, guys. It is okay. I think that is very important. And the third thing is no failure is final. Take risks. Really, no failure is final. You know, in, in our world, we say that companies might fail, but entrepreneurs don't. But that's true across the board. Hmm. You will get many, many, many chances in life. Take all those chances and run. It is not today, if it feels like the world is coming to an end, which is the way you had thought today is going to turn out. Didn't. You 
didn't get that job, you didn't get that money from that VC, um, you know, that co-founder that you wanted to get on didn't come on, didn't sign up, uh, you didn't get married to your boyfriend of 10 years. None of it is the end of the world. None of it is. Yeah, I think, uh, I know I said that was the last question, but I'd love to know, I think post shop close kind of what drove you to, you know, start Kind Life and what was the inspiration behind taking that another dive into um, entrepreneurship? So, you know, this is, this is this is another question that I feel that I get asked more as a woman than, than most second time entrepreneur men do. It is just assumed that they will do it a second time around. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I get asked this question by uh, VCs and I always tell them, what do you want me to do? Just, just sit at home and not do anything. <laughs> is, that, is that the understanding? Uh, but uh, that's who I am, Asna. I'm a builder. And I'm not done. So I'm going to keep doing That's who I am. That's what I will do. That's just, it's like Radhika is a five age tall woman. <laughs> Radhika is a builder. If she's five, five eight tall, she'll stay five eight tall. You know, that's really it. So I'm a builder. So I will continue to build. And I want to just the continuation of that. I love it. I think I'm uh, a builder as well. Whether luck supports or not, I, I don't think there is. I think I'm one of the best people in e-commerce in the country. And uh, that's who I am. Really. I love it. I think we've taken a full circle because we started this session with what is the greatest risk you've taken and that is being yourself. And I love that we're ending it with an example of how you continue to be yourself. Um, Radhika, it's been so great speaking to you and just um, just an absolute pleasure hosting uh, the session. And thank you so much for being so candid and just sharing some incredible stories. Um, the one about you know, taking that dive, doing the jump so that you don't let fear take hold is something I will absolutely, it will stay with me for a long time. Um, so thank you for that.